Hello and welcome to the Exploring Podcast. My name is Corian Young. I'm the host here. And in this podcast, I talk to my friends who are doing really cool and interesting things. And I'm talking to a friend of mine today. This is Sam, who goes by Teddy Marquis. He is a music producer, uh, songwriter, has been doing it for about 10 years. And he's worked with some really big names in the business, people like Rodney Jerkins, Diplo, Dua Lipa. And now he's looking for new artists to work with and collaborate. So welcome. Do I call you Teddy? Yeah, Sam? go for it. Teddy. Teddy. Teddy cool. Marquis. Yeah. How how do you come up with that name? Where where'd you go from uh, Sam? I, I've I've known him since he was like in junior high, yep. high school, and uh, and now you're uh, little Sam's big Teddy. How do you get that name? Well, yeah. So I was um, working with a a potential manager, and he was I I kind of didn't really understand if he was legit shady. I couldn't really get the vibe. He definitely did some big things in the industry, but. I didn't want to use my real name and taint that just in case he turned out to be like weird. Um, he did turn out to be weird. <laughs> so I'm glad I used a fake name, but the name actually blew up on its own when I did a song called fighting destiny. And I started getting interest in my productions Um all the big names like Rodney Jerkins that I was working with just kept calling me Teddy and it just kind of expanded from there. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just keep it. Nobody really knows that guy that was trying to manage me. Nothing ever like went public. So it's kind of perfect. Wow. Okay. So it's, it's funny. The name that you used is like kind of a throwaway name. Just it to was not a get total your name out there. throwaway name. Yeah, and absolutely. Now you're kind of stuck with it. But, now I'm uh, stuck with it. And, and, the, and the weirdo knows that, that name only. Exactly. So you, you mentioned uh, Rodney Jerkins, who's not the weirdo. No. But, but like, who is he? I know that he, he was doing some big stuff in the industry long before you were. Yeah, so he's a 90s um, producer. Uh, Dark Child 99 um, was his one of his big years. He did Destiny's Child. Um, he developed them, you know, Beyonce. Um, he moved on to everything in between Maroon 5, Brandy, um, and more recent years, Sam Smith, the song Stay With Me, he yeah. got a Grammy for. Um, yeah, and he took me under his wing um, 2013, 14, around there. Um, and I was hanging around his studio, just running around getting Taco Bell for everybody. Yeah. You were like kind of the runner, the, the PA. runner. Yeah. And then, uh, my best friend was doing beats for him. And then, um, after a couple of maybe a year or so, my friend's like, well, show, show Rodney some of your beats. And I, I sent him an email saying, Hey, can we get a, can we get a couple minutes? Um, I can show you some new music I've been working on. He's like, yeah, come by. I thought it was gonna be a little 10 minute little like show two two or three songs and he's like okay keep working we stayed for like an hour and a half blasting music in his studio your music my music yeah because i had a lot of music um i just had catalog um and my ears i swear were bleeding like it was so loud and they there. cranked it yeah he was cranking it the whole time and i'm just sitting there like wow this grammy producer is like just blasting my music this is amazing. Um, I thought it was only gonna be 10 minutes. We're here for like an hour. I'm about to like make millions of dollars and get signed and everything. Um, and it didn't go necessarily. It didn't jump like that, <laughs> uh -huh. but he wanted to bring me on board to do more songs. And I just ended up working with him for a solid three, three and a half years, traveled to Korea with him, did writing camps all over and ended up working with Dua Lipa through him. Um, he got me in with, uh, the Diplo cut that we got into a movie and yeah, he kind of helped mentor me. Wow, you you were in your like early twenties then, right? Yeah, yeah, twenty two. What a what a great age to get into that stuff. And I know that you've worked for some of the studios as well. What were you doing there? Yeah, I was a PA um, for the editorial on a movie called Seventh Son, and that was over at Warner Brothers. I think it was a Lionsgate film, but it was shot on the Warner Brothers lot. Mm -hmm. um, and even then, I I knew I wanted to do something with audio. So after I would work there. Um, you know, just running again, getting everybody their coffee, getting the groceries. I would after work go over to the sound stages and ask if I can just sit and watch them do sound effects mixing. And they were like, sure. And I ended up hanging out there long enough to get to know the composer. And I went over to the studio Malibu up in the hills. I think it's up Wolf Creek or something on um, this beautiful studio that just overlooks the ocean and watch them mix the movie, the, the soundtrack for the movie. How cool is that? You, you were at the, uh, the, the post-production uh, uh, facility at Warner Brothers? Yeah. You, you must have been really close to where my brother worked. Uh, yeah. And he was an ADR3. He was literally across the street, or, or across, the, across the hallway. Across the hallway, yeah. yeah. So you were on the big uh, mix stage? Yep. 
cool. How, yep. How Where they, they have really great air conditioning as opposed to the bungalows. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, and you were also at uh, Paramount, but that wasn't the uh, the film department, was it? No, that. So yeah, after after Warner Brothers, I really knew that I wanted to do music. So I went to a really uh, new upcoming school called Icon Collective that taught more music production for dance music and popular music rather than classical or something like that. So I went to school there for nine months, got my degree. And then they helped set me up with an interview over at Paramount Recording Studio, which is different than the picture studio. And the recording studio is where 21 Pilots did their album. I mean, they have they have old plaques from Korn, Limp Biscuit, Gwen Stefani. And I went ahead and I interviewed with them and they said, cool, you can clean toilets. And I was like, wow. All right. Big, I mean, big start. I was I was getting people coffee before this, but like <laughs> I guess toilets need cleaning too. So I was like, all right, sure, I'll do that. And I went basically within two years cleaning toilets to being a lead engineer on working on stuff for I mean, Wiz Khalifa, assistant engineer, Kid Inc., Steve Aoki, all sorts of awesome, awesome artists just kind of assisting, sometimes engineering and Right around the time where I was getting ready to go full-time engineer with them is when Roddy Jerkins was giving me that attention. And I was like, well, if he looks at me as a beat maker and a producer and a songwriter, I might, I think I want to explore that avenue more wow. than just recording artists. How did you even make that transition from like the bathroom cleaner? Like, were you just like at the right place at the right time schmoozing people and like, hey, I mean, you want to hear my stuff? I, I wish it were, I wish it were something like that. Um, It was more so they have a system where if you, you kind of just like move up as a runner. Okay. okay. You're good at cleaning toilets. You can show up on time. Now we'll have you handle inside the sessions, getting the food for everybody. Okay. You're able to do that. Now we'll have you clean up unsupervised and lock up and open up and do a little bit of um, supervisor duties and talk to record labels about gear rentals and stuff like that. And after you show that much, the, um, progress the the one of the part owners tom he's the tech of the of the studio who runs the ssl boards cleanups and builds microphones and everything he'll start showing you a little bit of how to actually engineer and what the rooms are are mapped out as how to route things and if he thinks that you express enough interest he'll continue to work with you i did and after a while he gave the the main owners the blessing to put me on a couple of sessions wow. and then i did i did pretty well um I, there was one one funny one with Jeremiah. Um, I was really nervous, and I was only supposed to assist the session, but apparently the recording engineer wasn't able to make it, so they threw me into the hot seat. And I was slow, very slow. He wasn't happy. And I knew that we needed to get another engineer there. So I was like, let me just dial you in. We'll get the, you just able to start writing and stuff. And let me call for another engineer because I don't want to ruin the process. Was, I'm a songwriter. Was this Pro Tools? Yeah, I was on Pro Tools. And I'm, I'm more used to Ableton and produce. Like, again, my whole thing is producing and songwriting. The recording was just what I kind of fell into. So I wasn't really prepared for that. So they hired the, or they brought this other guy in and um, he starts he starts going all quickly. And Jeremiah's like, wait, just bring that other kid back. He's a little slow, but like my sound was right with him. Oh, and I was like, Whoa, okay, that's cool. And then Paramount got wind of that. And they're like, okay, let's, let's take him off that runner schedule and like actually give him more sessions. And that's kind of where the real, the real action started happening. Okay. I know that you know, for a lot of those jobs, speed is the name of the game. Like you they don't want you being slow and frustrating everyone, but exactly. That's why I knew I had to make some, some sort of executive decision right there but at the end of the day too speed doesn't outweigh proper sound yeah right so right. yeah if you, if you had to choose one now if you get if you're good and fast that's great that's yeah. what that's a winning combination i right ended there. up getting there yeah I'm, I'm i'm i can i can i can do you go know quickly you know your way around pro tools still not anymore no you haven't touched it anymore. i haven't touched it in five years okay yeah i mean it hasn't changed much but you, <laughs> you could probably figure it out pretty quickly so how do you go from being like a kind of a, an engineer and technician and recording other people's stuff to like writing your own music and writing? Do you write lyrics too? Yeah. Yeah. I write lyrics. Um, it's really just, I would come home after work and write songs, make beats. That's hard to do Watch after you've been working creatively. You don't want to go obsessed. home and be creative. 
I was obsessed. It was not hard for me for some reason. I mean, I'm not saying I was the best at it right off the bat. I'm just saying like I I had an itch to learn and to better myself. Um, and it just was fascinating to me how people can get a drum sound to be compressed or like where that snare came from or how the vocal sounds like it has some extra crispness to the top. And like, I know that the microphones don't always just have that already. You gotta, you gotta compress them or something. I was trying to figure it all out, asking everybody these questions. And yeah, I just went home and I just continued. So you, so you were going home from, from working in a studio to like recording your own stuff to, to making my own beats probably at first. Um, and then as Rodney was getting more interested in my beats, um, I noticed that everyone around me was writing songs. And I was like, well, if, if the guys that are getting paid more than me and getting a little bit more attention than me in reality are writing songs, I like writing songs. Like when I was in high school, I would do funny songs, like just at parties yeah, and pull out a guitar and just write about the lamp in the room or something like that. You actually play instruments too. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, um, enough to, enough to write a song, you know, three, <laughs> three chords in the truth. But, um, yeah, it just kind of always just escalated a little bit. So it went from beat making when I got off work to now, okay, let's try actually writing a serious song. Okay, got good at that. Well, now I need to learn how to record myself. I can record other people, but learning how to record myself and how to have mic technique, how to project, how to use different parts of my voice and do vocal production really helped, especially when I started working with other artists and recording them because now I was a vocal producer, not just the recording engineer. Yeah. And then after that, I started going, okay, well, now I need to learn mixing. So, okay, come home from work, learn how to mix. Now yeah. I need to learn how, how do you to learn? master. Did you go to school for this stuff? Or? So I went to school. Yeah, I went to school. Um, or like YouTube University. YouTube University is the best, though. Yeah, I went that's to school. what I used for, for I love it, and it was great. But um, when you really want to learn a, a, a specific task, it's on YouTube. Yeah. 99% of the time. Punk-ass kid showing you how to do everything. Yeah. Half my age these days. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for, for real. So uh, you would be writing uh, music and you're you're playing guitar, you're playing... Uh, Keys. So you're doing... So you're playing the actual instruments and then you're also are using samples and... Oh, uh, yeah. Doing all, all digital stuff. Yeah, I'm using synthesizers, doing sound design. I tried dubstep for a while. Um, and then I started doing a little bit more pop music, but they kind of went hand in hand, learning more dubstep and new unique sound design gives you better ideas of what to do with your pop drums maybe so yeah I'd, I'd start sampling other records um especially rodney had us sampling a lot he'd say oh go take my old hits with brandy or destiny's child and or jennifer lopez or anybody and just like go ahead and flip it you and then we'll that? have somebody else right well with when he is the executive producer yeah but you know what happens if uh, if you end up with a hit he's still going to get royalties on the old one too. Like he's kind of double dipping on the same. Well, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> did that happen? Did oh, you yeah. make something that blew up? Well, I mean, I, I don't know if we made anything that blew up. At least I did. Um, No, but that we knew that that was going to happen. Yeah. And then, and ultimately, you know, when you're the executive producer, you run the show. We started learning. Um, I, I, I mean, I definitely had my moments with him. Um, I, I've told him off a couple times. Um, He's tried to bestow um knowledge on me even looking back i can look differently a little bit of how i came came at him with a couple of my inquiries on how i get paid versus how he gets paid yeah and now i understand a little bit more with the amount of time and effort and work that he's developed the relationships but at the same time you you always have to remember and i think i was trying to let him know that like you still got to respect the kid coming up and understand that they might have something to offer and they need to get paid for that Sure. Yeah, he picked you for a reason. Exactly. So, you know, um, we've had a little tips here and there, but we've also just had great times making great music. Um, but at the end of the day, that's just the name of the game with anything. Yeah. With uh, when you said you were going home and you were making your own beats, have you ever like sold those? Yeah. So so they, I started selling them like every now and then I make some money with Rodney. So I'd, we'd sell something and that's where a little bit of it comes in where it's like, Oh, you're getting paid that much and you get all the back end royalties oh. to this, but I only get a check. You were going home and flipping his old tracks or just writing new stuff and yeah, okay. sending it to him that he would go sell it. Okay. And and that would happen often where, yeah, he, I get a, I get a, a fee for composing the song or, or producing the song, but no back end royalties. Mm. That's only for him. Yeah. That's only for the, the, the songwriter in the room that wrote the lyrics or something. It's like, that's where sometimes you kind of got to go like, yeah, but like 
if I were involved with putting the chords together, that makes sense, or the drums or something, maybe I'd get royalties. But at the same time, there's business politics. Netflix often doesn't pay royalties. They just want to buy stuff outright, apparently. Yeah. Uh-huh. So makes sense. I didn't even, I, and I'm just sitting there like, no, my my neighbor who wrote hit songs told me that you always get royalties. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm coming in from an older standpoint. It's true. But streaming movies have changed the game in the film industry, too. Mm-hmm. So, exactly and same thing with music i guess streaming music you don't get paid the same way that you used to it's a, a little CD, different right? yeah it's a little different now um and it's ever evolving and it's also the reality too is as i've found it's how you set up your business rodney for example set up his business so he gets to to uh ex- expand the way he wants to he gets to pay people the way he wants to it's his business if you don't mm-hmm. want to be a part of that you can leave so that's what I've kind of started learning. So what I, what I try to tell people, especially with my newer clients, is just like this is I write everything up in an agreement and I'm like, this is what we're doing. This is what you're paying me to produce a record. These are going to be the royalties. Are you cool with that before we even start? And that's where I get the most enjoyment out of sessions and working with people. I get the best process out of that. We get better songs. And every now and then I still get major record labels coming to me saying, oh, can you do this session with blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, hold on. What's what's the splits? Like, who 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 else are you guys working with? Am I going to get ghosted after this session? What's going on? And it's like, you they're supposed to be the ones that have everything together. And yeah, and it's not always to, the case. They wait for you to put together the deal. Yeah. So so you went from uh, Teddy Marquis as like a uh, freelance you know, contractor. Are, are you a business now like have you changed how you've structured all that stuff yeah it's a full business now um especially with independent artists if i'm if i'm doing major label stuff i still let it let it fall under the their their corporation um Mm -hmm. with universal say um i do business with universal a lot i just let them have full kind of jurisdiction of the contracts and everything but when it's me finding independent artists that i want to develop and build projects for I'm definitely curating the agreements and putting together the business plan. Yeah, that's. I think that's the smart way to do it. I want to ask you more uh, in a bit about your new projects, but you've been in this business for maybe like what ten years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're anything like me, like you, you know, you start with some gear. Maybe you start with a laptop and an inbox, and like have upgraded your stuff. W- what kind of equipment do you have now? And like, what's what kind of equipment do you need to be in that business and what kind of stuff is just like gravy? That's a good question. Um, it's, I have a lot to say about that because it's not the way I'm a gearhead to a certain extent. It's not, it's let's put it this way. So I started with Mbox. I started with diving into pro tools with the bare minimum and it helped me get from point A to point B. And recently maybe, and when I say recently out of 10 years, maybe like the past four years, Mm -hmm. I started up, upping my gear, better microphones, better speakers, better headphones, and it makes the process a billion times easier to get finished and to get a, a quality recording rather than, you know, when you have an inbox, you're really relying just on the content being great. Right. Whereas when you have better gear, the content always is great in one way or another, but at the end of the day, it's just pleasant to listen to. It's not harsh in any way that the, the cheaper gear kind of gives you. So, but at the same time, I don't, I don't really advocate for going out and spending hundreds of thousand dollars on gear. I'm, I am a bedroom producer at, the, at heart. That's how I started. And my studio that I work out of is a converted room. It's yeah. not, it's not a, it's not a million dollar studio that we had at Paramount. And funny enough, I'll take my own clients to Paramount and I'll show them that. I'll rent out a, a room at Paramount and I'll be like, this is, we got the $10,000 microphone. We got all the energy of, of a big studio. Let's write some songs. And then they're like, yeah, this is cool. It's a lot of fun. And yeah, I can hear like some crispness here and there and stuff. But at the end of the day, I like having more time to work on the music yeah. at your studio. And I really don't hear the big difference of the gear. And there's also a comfort level of like writing in, a, in your own environment, you know, yeah. that, that, they're, that they're used to. Having time, having you know, just being, feeling comfortable, like you said, um, and just the time is huge. Yeah. Not paying 140 an hour just for the studio, but for the actual producer to write something magical with you is much more important than just the studio. Yeah. You know, I, something that I didn't understand even 10 years ago, you know, cause there, there really was this whole revolution in the, in the audio industry, music and film and TV where anybody with a laptop and an inbox 
you know, like that's like, you know, 200 hour device lets you run pro tools and you could be doing all kinds of stuff, but like just plugging in a, an SM58 into, um, into the M box. Yes. You'll be able to record clean audio, but there's something about plugging into a, a preamp and like a whole like analog stuff with vacuum tubes. Like do, do you use like old yeah, stuff now, too? now I have I have a Neve. Um, I have a distressor. I'm I'm using tubes. Um, I'm using circuitry. Yeah, they, and it, and they it don't brings even out make a lot that stuff anymore. Like uh, using like oh no, they make they make it. Yeah, you just got to kind of search for it. It's not like the number one thing you see at Guitar Center. Okay. You know, it's you have to go to like Vintage King or have a Guitar Center rep go order it from the actual manufacturer. Okay. But and it's more expensive. It's more expensive. Um, it just depends what you're doing. And you kind of, so when you say like, yeah, the, the generation of laptop, you can just plug it in and get it done. I have interesting thoughts on this and I have a little bit of a theory too. I don't know if it's true or not, but Let's hear it. Skrillex was a big influence in that computer music world. Um, and I went to this uh, a school where one of the co-founders was, a guy who apparently worked really close with Skrillex. And I think he, I don't know if he necessarily goes produce anything. I think definitely Skrillex is an amazing artist, songwriter, sound designer, mixer, everything. But at the end of the day, I know that this guy was mixing Justin Bieber records. I know that he was mixing Will I Am records. And I think what was happening was um, Skrillex was coming up with the ideas on his laptop. And he did some crazy sound design and it all sounded really cool. But I still think where I thought that I can get it all done and a lot of people that I talked to thought we can get it done, we didn't really realize that, yeah, he still sent it over to a mixer to actually run it through some gear or use their ear and their expertise over years to to, to compress it and to make it all fit together. That makes sense. So it wasn't... In at least my theory, and and I've actually seen this with other people that I won't like say exactly who, but it's it's just it just is what it is. Like you don't always, it's not like one person always writes the song, produces it, mixes it, masters it, and puts it out. There are certainly some people that do that, but very very few at the end of the day. Yeah. What is your your process when you're either working by yourself or when you have your clients for like how do you come up with a tune or a melody or a beat, and how do you come up with lyrics that go to it? Do you write the lyrics first and then? Uh, the beat that goes to it or do you do the beat first and then try to figure out lyrics it always changes because i because there's is no one way um it's just kind of whatever i think that the artist will be more into at the time mm. i don't want to waste energy from the artist going down the wrong path so if somebody wants to if, if i'm in a room with somebody who wants to write a song very paul mccartney style with a guitar and just come up with it on the fly it's a bad idea to pull up a beat pack and be like, okay, <laughs> rap to this. Yeah. Okay. And vice versa. If somebody's looking for beats to just, and, and wants you to be silent and just, they want to do all the lyrics. You don't want to sit there with a guitar being like, let's figure this out together. So the number one thing I do is I try to just talk to them at first and be like, how do you feel like writing a song today? And then we kind of go from there. But if it's up to me, which a lot of times it is because I'll be doing it for my project, or maybe I'm kind of the lead producer in the room. It, it, it just changes. Sometimes I really am in a mood to program and I don't really want to get up and go play drums or play guitar. And then other times I'm like, ooh, I really feel like playing guitar today. So I'll start with the guitar. And then sometimes it's a mix of both. Sometimes I, I just say like, oh, I have this idea for a lyric. What do you think about this concept? And we start with lyrics. And sometimes we start with drums. Sometimes I've even done this. I've put on a click track and I said, just sing. And that no, works? No music, no you're, nothing. You ever get something that's Yeah, absolutely. Whoa. More times than not. I guess it's like starting with a blank canvas. Uh, it's a canvas. blank canvas, and you can always add chords to it. If you know what key you're kind of yeah. in, you know, um, you can add some chords, you can add some drums, and you have a lot of freedom to write a great song that way. Huh. I always wonder, because I, I, I see a lot of um, songwriters and music producers on TikTok, like Charlie Puth, for example. You ever see his videos where he's oh, yeah. like, what if there was a song that like started like this and like over the course of like 10 seconds, he writes this, like the number one hit of the summer. And it's like, I know he already had the song done before he made up the the concept and broke it down. But I wonder how many ideas actually start out like that. I mean, th that that's the whole, like that's the 10 years later version of the Skrillex thing, in my opinion, of my Skrillex theory. I think that a lot of kids are going to see this TikTok experience. Mm. And they're going to be like, wow, oh, I can do that. Like, all you have to do is think of the concept really quickly, 
and then add a little bit of this, add a little bit of that, and then it's a big multi-platinum record. Yeah. No, not at all. He 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 most likely had that song finished and he's just going I have I have people I work with that literally ask, "Oh, can we do a video of a breakdown after we've written the song?" It's like, "Yeah, of course." But that's what it is. Yeah, it's a backwards breakdown though cuz you're it's starting with, you're starting yeah. with the full puzzle. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I I would like to see I would like it. Maybe that's a good challenge like to actually try to write a song that quickly. I bet somebody can do it. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can do it on yeah. a good day. Yeah. But it's not always going to work. You know, some people are are really fast with that stuff. You know, we were talking about hip hop before we started recording and uh yeah, Machine Gun Kelly and and Eminem and um and Eminem is a phenomenal. Like he was my favorite rapper for a long time. But there's a guy I've been watching for five years. His name is Harry Mack. I don't know if you've seen him. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. On, like as far as like freestyle rapping and, and, and rhyming and like taking a, a topic and just going on and on and on. This is somebody that doesn't have to write it all in advance. Like, in fact, I've heard some of his produced stuff and I'm, I'm not a fan. Interesting. He, he's a, he's really only fun watching freestyle uh, off the cuff. Yeah. I, I, I know who you're talking about and yeah, I definitely think he is a bit of an anomaly. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if it's magic or what, but he's, or he's a genius. I don't know. He should probably be running our country now. <laughs> um, I really like him, but again, look at, he has a very precise skill set. It's with rapping, rhyming and storytelling. Mm. You're not, at least to my knowledge, I don't see, I don't see him putting together the drums for the songs. Yeah. I don't, I don't think see him mixing. Him stuff. I don't see him, you know, doing all the behind the scenes work that it takes to get a piece of content out there. Um, so yeah, he's really, really great. I think it's just, you know, when, when we're mentioning something like Charlie Puth and, and where music comes from and how to, how to build it, it's really just deciding what part of it you want to build and, or if you want to build all of it, it might just take a little bit more time. That's the route I went. I wanted to build everything. It wasn't enough for me just to be able to play guitar and write a song. I needed to know how to record the drums. I needed to know how to record the, the vocals, how to mix it. And it's been a longer process to find success, but I was able to find the creativity that I knew I had. So your specialty is in like, I guess, writing, you write the songs, you write the lyrics, you, you play the, the instruments. Like it's, it's mostly you, do you, you bring in studio musicians and stuff too? If there's budget. Yeah. Yeah. If there's budget, I love that. Um, but oftentimes there's not budget. So it's all, it's all you. Most of the, most of the records that I'm, I'm playing are, are all me. And also for reasons that, you know, I don't I don't like the having too many people on a record and unless the business is completely 100 percent iron clad, mm -hmm. then the song could go down a really dark path of never getting released if, if everyone hasn't been paid, etc. So I really try to do everything myself. Um, but certainly there's been times where I just can't mix the record. I, I'm too close to it. I've written it. I've produced it. And like me and the artist sit there and we're like, you know what, let's let's hire somebody to mix this. Or vice versa. There's other songs that people hire me just to mix for. Hmm. And they've written a lot of the parts, if not all of it. And they're just like, we really just need your your sound. Yeah. Can you put this all together and master it and mix it? And I'm like, sure. So you have a studio where you sit there with your speakers uh, blaring and you you know, you know kind of mix it in that. Like, what's your what's your mixing environment? So actually, yeah, that kind of goes back to some of the gear. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so well, I guess we never finished talking about your, your setup. My setup is I have a Neve board. Right. But it's not a Neve board with faders that you, you push. It's a 16 channel summing board and it's inside of a rack. It's a rack unit. Mm -hmm. So I have um, eight stereo channels. And what I'll do is I'll end up bussing out my drums, my vocal, my guitar and um, synths and effects or no bass or some some variation of all of that uh -huh. into those four channels and get that analog summing depth. So. I'm mixing through a Neve circuitry, but I'm doing all of the moves inside of the box okay. with my EQs. I have a couple outboard EQs every now and then I'll tap. I'll just, again, bring the audio out and then go through the EQ and right back in and print it. You have a whole um, like rack that you just like plug into it and pretty much re-record it? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, anything that's already going in, guitar or vocal or bass, um, if we're recording live drums, it all goes through the distressor and the, the Neve preamp in any ways. Um, but that's the beauty of it. 
that cost me just the Neve part of it was $2,000, which is so much cheaper than a $60,000 Neves board. Yeah. Well, I, I thought you were going to talk about like one of the really expensive, like old, no. you know, 40 year old boards. Now, now granted, if I really wanted to do like a 60 channel mix, I'm not going to have a great time doing it on, on what I have because it's only 16 channels. Yeah. But again, I can route stuff and just loop it over and over. I can get 150. I can get 200 loops of it going. That's what the Beatles used to do with four track. It's what's well, digital too, right? You're not recording on tape. No. Yeah. Yeah. We're not so, recording. So yeah. Tape. So you're not losing. You, you just have to do a lot of passes. You just do more passes. Yeah. But it's amazing. So yeah, I can get I can get really great quality out of not spending so much money. And that's where you're asking about the gear and stuff. And it's a very fine line between spending a lot of money when you need to and saving money when you need to. Yeah. It, you've mentioned to me that you mix, um, you have speakers, mm-hmm. but you also use headphones a lot. I use headphones more than anybody. Yeah. So I have multiple pairs. I have Audis on um, Manny Marquin series that were like $1,600. I have Focals that were, are $1,600. Um, those are like, I, it took me a long time to buy those. Um, I wasn't, a, I wasn't sure that it was going to be a good investment or not. It's a lot of money for me to just like go try something out. And I probably in hindsight wasted too much time not buying those. Okay. I thought you were going to say you wasted too much money on them. No, no, no I actually really love both of them. And I like them both for different reasons um and i have also airpods i have um mx50 which is like 60 dollars headphones i have um skull candies that i know very very well because that's what i listened to in high school when i was like working out and stuff i feel like i've seen those at ross or something exactly those yeah. those sound great in those my like, opinion there's like 20 dollars headphones 20 dollars. yeah okay and like what i'll do at this point is i'll start the song out in loudspeaker land and my mm-hmm. loudspeakers are very just it's the yamahas they're not not the ns10s but the newer version the, the, the powered, powered ones, ones. Yeah. yeah and we'll vibe out with that and then when it comes time for me to do a mix i'll put on the manny marquins because they they represent very flat like ns10s like the original mm-hmm. ones i can get it really great with the reverb the vocals especially all the live instrumentation that involves space and get that locked in and then when i'm really happy with that i take it to the car i start everyone i'll take the laptop to yeah i'll take the laptop to the car and just mix in the car sometimes wow yeah um and then at the very end if i play it on my skull candies and i'm happy it's ready wow yeah i think everyone goes to mix or at least listen to it in their car like first thing because that's most people are gonna listen to music in their car it's it's the perfect sound acoustic um that we're used to people listen to so much music in the car so a people are used to that type of dense listening space and any room that's not you know a hundred thousand dollars is gonna gonna have some echo to it yeah so those are pretty pretty good and pretty i guess flat there's there's just a lot to soak up there's there's seats everywhere it's heavy you know it's 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 a great listening environment and and that's even i was i was mentioning earlier it's kind of philosophical of what a great listening environment is right because who's to say i think it's just a familiar listening Mm -hmm. environment Right. Is that, is that common in the industry to mix with headphones? Um, it just, it, it kind of, I think that's a good question to be honest with you, because a lot of mixers don't really tell their full secrets. Um, I have theories that a lot of people finalize stuff in headphones, but then if it's, I think it depends what mixer you are. If you're a mixer that has a hundred thousand dollars studio with a hundred thousand dollar pair of speakers, you're probably going to just use that. Yeah, it's funny. So you saved yourself a hundred thousand on speakers. I saved myself on ten thousand on headphones. Yeah, but like I can try it in multiple. Uh, hey, I don't know, but I could be even more valuable than that mixer that has the two hundred thousand dollars setup because that's one listening source mm-hmm. that they spent all that money on. I have four or five different listening sources, so your music coming to me to mix might just translate to more sound systems yeah. than the next person that only listens between there and the car and the truth is too i've talked i've talked to enough of them and and i know like everyone has their secrets but they've divulged they all pretty much do the same thing they'll listen in that nice room that they have they'll take it to the car Uh they'll listen to it on a beats pill they'll listen to it 
on their sound bar. Like everyone, you just, that's just where we are today. You have to listen to it on iPhone. You know what this reminds me of? When I used to go to Best Buy and like, when I hear like the, the car speakers, you like, you listen to like the different speakers mm-hmm. in the sub. It sounds like you're just kind of sampling it in different environments to see, exactly. make sure it passes all the different tests. There's a new headphone that I got that actually has virtual mix environments. So they took like some sort of way of, you know, convolution verb where you can take a sample of what a, a, the, the room sounds like. Yeah. They've done that and you can actually flip through different studios. They went to different like NRG studio. They went to Paramount and all these different places and took a capture of what that room sounds like. Oh, Mike Dean's uh, Tesla and all these different these environments. And you can click through them with these flat headphones that take you to each environment and you can hear the difference. Weird. I feel like some of my receivers have that. Like you can be in like in a concert hall in Vienna. There you go. Or like a church. Yeah. Okay. So it's really, I don't think it's one pair of, of $200,000 speakers that's going to get you what you want. I think it's putting the time and effort in to make it sound good on as many systems as you can make it sound on. Yeah. Um, but again, that's my process. Maybe, maybe a different mixer has a different way. Yeah. I want to ask you also, uh, we said we talk about the, the new artists that you're working with. Um, so you bring them in, if you're producing the music or writing, I guess, co-writing the, the lyrics and everything with them, uh, it's their vocals that are on the track? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how do you how do you find them or do they find you to, to collaborate on projects? It depends. A little bit of both. Um, sometimes it's word of mouth and they come to me and they're interested because I did another record with somebody that they know. Um, or maybe, you know, Rodney's brought me a lot of artists in the past that we've We've worked on songs for him and then on the side we were working on other songs and we built our own relationship and then later on they want to do a full project or sometimes we still write for pitch um, just to get it to a major artist and run it through the to the universal system. Um, but what I've done in the past couple of years is pinpoint doing actual projects for up and coming artists and trying to break the next Beyonce or the next Sam Smith. And that was actually advice from Rodney. So, so how do you do that? How do you know who's going to be big? Well, you got to look around. So that leads to when they don't just come to me, I start A&Ring myself. So that means I'm looking around at the talent. Um, an old school way of doing it would be going to clubs where people are doing um, playing their rock bands, playing at the whiskey or something. And then afterwards I go up and, t- and I've done this. I'll go up and talk to them and be like, I really liked you guys' sound. Who records you? Tell me a little bit more about what your next six months look like. Um, business plan, this, that, and the other. Do you have room for me to come in and do what I do? Um, and are you interested? Um, in the recent years, that hasn't been possible at all because oh, yeah. of COVID. Um, so I started actually reaching out to people on Instagram and sometimes on TikTok, but TikTok's a little harder to like communicate um, with people. I think Instagram's a little bit more message-based. So I can go ahead and comment on somebody's video that they're promoting or and just and just tell them, like, you know what I think. Hey, I think you have a really great song here. What are you doing with it? Um, hey, I, I think you have a really great voice. Um, what what are you, what are your plans? And this is what and then maybe we can have a chat in the DMs. Um, I could tell you a little bit more about myself and I do. They tell me a little bit more about them. And then if we decide that we might be able to work together, I'd suggest that we do a Zoom call. And over Zoom, I can ask a little bit more questions. I can get a vibe for their energy. They can get a vibe for mine. I can give them kind of a little bit of a business proposal that kind of really bullet points what I do with other artists and how it how it works and how we get a full finished product. And if they're interested in moving forward, it's great because we have six months to a year to do an, an amount like an amount of songs. And that's so much better than Universal, in my opinion. Or Atlantic or anybody saying, oh, yeah, let's just get 50 producers to come in and make beats and write with the baby and see which one sticks. Like, at least for me, maybe that's yeah. good for the baby and good for the record label. Sure. But for me as a producer, I can't just play that lottery. No. So um, I found it's expensive. It's time consuming. It's not as creative as you want to be, because I might want to write like four different songs with the baby. Maybe I want to do like one that's a harder beat maybe i want to try to push him into doing a piano ballad i don't know maybe he has something to say maybe he wants to actually sing nobody's ever asked him they just go in there they're thinking he wants beats yeah so when i'm working with somebody one-on-one and we have four maybe six songs to do within a year we can actually meet up once a week we can write bad songs 
which is beautiful. Yeah. We could write stuff that were like, man, that was like, there's no point in ever touching that again. Okay, let's write another one. Do you actually record the bad ones? Yeah. A little bit of them. Okay. Yeah. Say, cause, cause, you never really know it's bad until you record it and you listen back to it. Right. <laughs> okay. So so you still think it has potential. And yeah, and, and, and there's been times too where I've written a song, I think it's terrible, and that's the one that everyone loves. Yeah. Vice versa. Somebody gives me a song that they think is terrible and I'm like, yo, this is amazing. Let's, let's record this. And then, you know, it's, it's amazing how quickly they can change a tune or I can change a tune. It's like, Oh, you like this? Oh, I guess it's good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's roll with it. Yeah. Like those, the, the old men on the Muppet show. I don't know if you ever watched that, that they started out like kind of uh, saying, Oh, that was good. That was, that was pretty good. I guess they quickly turned on it and said it was a terrible thing. But, but uh, yeah, it sounds like what well, you I mean, were doing we can was do that. the opposite. Every, every now and then sometimes that happens too. Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, this is a really great idea. Wait, no, it's not. So you literally just uh, send them a D, uh, not even a DM. You comment, comment on their stuff, yeah, which I, I feel like when I look through the comments, there's a lot of crap out there. There's a lot of things saying, uh, you know, first person to say this will get five thousand bucks, and you know, yeah. join me for crypto, and you're so hot and beautiful, and baby, I can make you a star, and you know, like, I'm. Well, I'm definitely saying nothing of those sorts, right? So, but but when you're saying, hey, I want to work with you. I, I just feel like it would get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. So, like, do you get a lot of responses back? Um, not not many, not as many as I put out. Yeah, so you hands down, it's it's like. Do you put out like a ton a day and get back just a handful? At first, I did because I really was itching to work again in the pandemic, and I was just bored, and I really wanted to just get some new blood in and 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 work with new talent. Um, and I got, and I got some clients and some great artists to work with. And then as the schedule started just getting more sparse, like I wasn't able to even look for more, more, um, artists because we were busy doing, doing the records. Um, but now that I've kind of finished a lot of the initial artists that, that I've done, I'm kind of looking for something specific now. And I don't just kind of reach out to anybody i guess you could almost even say i wasn't i wasn't just reaching out to anybody like i've worked with dua lipa i've worked with ronnie jerkins diplo amongst even many others and like chloe and hallie i've worked with them and they're they're um signed under beyonce they're amazing they're absolutely breathtaking you they anything they sing sounds beautiful so when i've worked with all of that i have to be in love with what i'm working on so if I hear something that I like, I will definitely reach out. And there's a lot that I like. I'm a fan of music. So you have to really like it, though. You're not just finding anyone and saying, no, hey. absolutely not. Because because you don't just do a song. You're doing we're doing five, projects. six, seven songs, yeah. like a whole maybe an album. Yeah. Usually an EP. Yeah. Um, Because I got to, you know, there's a lot to this, too. It's like especially working with newer artists. A lot of people aren't ready for an album. They're not even ready for six songs. Well, honestly, consumers don't want an album either well, that so too. Like, yeah you know so luckily if, it works. if you have one good one i mean you better have another song in the queue well that's that's before the, you fade the idea is we do four to six songs it could either be an ep or just a series of singles uh-huh. um and just exploring your sound figuring it out and it really is always up to the artist if they're ready they have a hit song they have a hit hit energy then it's going to become a hit sometimes it's just really great content that just can't match to what society wants right now and the culture wants and you got to wait it out Kate Bush made a huge comeback with Stranger Things. The, the what was it? Running up the hill, right? Have you heard this? No. What is this? So there's this artist, Kate Bush. I guess maybe the '80s. She had a song that was maybe number fifty on the Billboard chart. Kind of like came and went. I know the name, but I don't know the song. What's do you know what song it is? Yeah, it's called Running Up That Hill. Oh, that's the song. Okay. Yeah. And Stranger Things, the new season, used that song in almost every episode. And it was a, a cue for um, one of the story storyboards. And the song just blew up all over again, even bigger than it first did. And I think it went to number one. So sometimes you write great stuff or an artist is recording and, and the, the world's not ready for them. Or maybe they're past their time, too. So... Our goal is just to write the great music. My goal is to work with great artists and you can't guarantee success. I tell them that hands down. Yeah. Like I'm not selling anything. Like I'm not, there's no fool's gold here. Kind of like what you were saying. Like you go through people's comments and you see, yeah, a bunch of BS all over the place. No, I mean, we're going to try our best to get success out of this, 
But at the end of the day, we need to create product first. Yeah. Now, as a filmmaker, I, I've created a lot of shorts that when I'm done, I show them to my friends. Like you, you've been to oh, yeah. you know, our screenings, you know, for, for swine. And uh, and then you put the, the DVD on your shelf and no one ever sees it again. And, you know, it's, it's tragic. And I, I know that happens a lot with music where people have, you know, maybe, you know, their friends buy a CD, but like it doesn't go anywhere. So how do you get these songs to like good question get get sold or streamed or like what's even the goal these days so yeah i mean i'm really trying to advocate that the artist does promotion i've told everyone i worked with whether you know we're doing a song for you know twenty five hundred dollars or ten thousand dollars on you need to have similar budget on actual advertising so you got to du- you double your budget. You got to double your budget. Yeah. This and, is just my, and and they're not, let me be clear. They're not paying me to advertise. I don't do advertising. Right. Well, how, how do they, um, how do they advertise it when you say they got to be like promoting their song? Well, there's a, there's a ton of ways. Um, I can be, I, I like to help with ideas Um, and things are ever evolving. You know, you can ask me that question six years ago, Facebook. Facebook ads. Yeah, okay. There was a group called Slander who made it huge as a duo DJ from DJs from Orange County who really utilized um, Facebook ads perfectly and they blew up. Wow. Um, And then clearly Facebook stopped becoming the marketplace for social media um, and the younger generation. It moved to Instagram. So you can argue that maybe that's the place that you want to put your music um, and advertise yourself. Now it's TikTok. Sometimes that's not even the route you want to take. Sometimes you just want to get out there and play shows. Sometimes you want to do a brand partnership. And I'm trying to facilitate those right now. That's like, if you ask me, what am I trying to do to get the songs out there? So we're writing them. I'm hoping that they're going to put their energy into telling people about what they've done. But what I do is I do talk to the label executives that I do know. I do talk to the ARs. I talk to some music supervisors. And I do let them know that, hey, I just finished this, this album or this EP or this song. Let me know if you guys can use it in anything. And every now and then I've gotten a Netflix placement out of that. You know, we've gotten a couple of songs on Sirius XM radio, FM radio. Is that um, is that huge for you when, when it uh, when you get stuff that's like placed in a in a film or TV show? It is. Ultimately, it really is. It's amazing. It's a nice upfront check. You don't have to sign any long term contracts to it. And it's just it's great to know that people want to utilize your art to combine with other art. So it's amazing. Um, but there are certainly levels to it as a businessman that you have to think of. Yeah. And I used to get overly excited about some of those things and realize that, well, if you're trying to create a, a business and make people's dreams come true, that's not enough. And you can't just have one Netflix placement. You can't have one song hit radio for a month and then go rogue and dark. You have to have a hit. You have to have a substantial act that people are in love with and want to see over and over again if you want the type of success that my mentors have, have Gosh, had. It's so hard to hit that. I know that there's some artists that I've seen. I remember in the 90s, I, was it the 90s? I don't know, it was the Goo Goo Dolls or somebody, like when they had like this big hit and everyone's like, look at them. You know, they came out of nowhere, overnight sensation. And they're like, we spent 20 years becoming an overnight sensation. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of times you got to like just keep putting stuff out and, you know, it's not going to hit, but someday you're going to uh, become an overnight hit and everyone's going to say, oh, with this, you know, the, you're going to get a lot of resentment and, you know, the haters and it happens. That's all, all the package, I guess. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. Um, I've seen Jaws go from what looked like zero to 100. Um, he got signed to Moj Shalizi and had a hit song on Spinning Records. And within a year, he's closing out EDC and all the festivals. Wow. But I went to school with him. I watched him work and learn over years and and probably years before i even knew him um you can even look at skrillex you know he 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 was in a rock band when he was a teenager was he i know that he was like winning grammys was he like 19 or something i, I don't yeah i don't know if, what grammys he got at 19 but definitely has some grammys I, 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 um I, I, but he I was a, wrong he was yeah. in a rock band at 19 for did, sure did he change his music style because he wanted to yeah Okay, because I've heard of other I artists. I think so, maybe not, but I think so. Like, I've got a friend whose brother was in a uh, punk band, like a poppy punk, and the record label that signed him was like, okay, you're going to be putting out, like, this 80s retro-style mm. music, and, you know, so they, they did that. Uh, Sugar Ray was in a kind of like a metal band called the Shrinky Dinks, uh, Mark no McGrath, way. and when they signed him, they're like, no, this is the kind of music you're going to do, and it's like the lamest kind of, like, I don't even think he liked it. 
But I mean, well, it's weird when a label tells you, here's what you got to do. And it's not your style. It's it, there. There's two sides of the coin, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and I agree. That is pretty lame at the end of the day. But at the same time, I don't think that they put a gun to his head and said, you have to do this. Well, no, I guess he could have not done it. Yeah. He wanted so a deal. They probably negotiated and spoke and, and gave him and, and asked him the question, you know, whether it was him or somebody else. But like, I do know. So let's put it this way. Suge Knight used to ask his artists and he, he uh, would ask them, do you want fame or money? Mm. And if they answered that they want fame, he's going to pay them less and, and make them famous. Oh. If they want money, they're, they're going to work real hard. They're going to write songs for other people and they're going to get paid. And it's kind of like, like a devil's deal. It, it is. But at the end of the day, too, these songs don't just find their way to the world without any advertising. If the record label is going to spend budget and, and money and they don't want to spend it on metal, they want to spend it on a reggae pop act. That's what their, their prerogative is. And they can offer that. Now, maybe they didn't make that clear and that's messed up. And I don't know how all of that went, but... I will tell you that I do know people that I don't, I don't, I don't care for Sugar Ray too much, but like, I know people that love them. Yeah. You know, and I know people that hated Lincoln Park and I know people that like Lincoln Park saved their lives. Yeah. Right. So like at the end of the day, I think it's the, the artist, you know, I don't know. Like I always, I've signed a couple deals here and there and I was scared about it. Um, when I signed to universal, I made sure that I have room to do what I want. And yeah. And I, I, I had freedom and it came with a few stipulations. I got a little less up front, this, that, and the other, but I was like, that's fine. I'd rather have my, my art be mine and do what I want to do. Um, and then furthermore too, I know a lot of people that are stuck in really big deals. I'm pretty sure that they just ghost have pseudo names. Yes. Like you can still make I, your metal music and make some reggae use, for a lot of money. You're just doing another name. Yeah, you reminded me my my uh, I've got a, a cousin whose uh, boyfriend uh, is a musician, and he actually has like a few different names for like different styles of music. Yeah, and it's you know stuff's getting placed everywhere. But yeah, I guess you could just use a different uh, artist name, huh? I mean, it, it gets a little tricky with like major record label contracts. Um, they do sign you as a human being. I've tried. Um, working on a deal once with Sony where we tried to kind of like make the, the artist into, um, a corporation mm -hmm. and they signed the corporation rather than the artist. And I do think it could be done. Um, but we certainly did not have the resources to get that lawyer right. finished. That might not work for a person, but if you're like, if they sign a band, you could join another band. Depending upon if you are a published, if you, they also gave you a publishing deal for the writing. Yeah. It depends. Are you a band for hire or are you writing the songs? And did you get signed to write songs under this name? They, they definitely, I will say this, the, the record labels, and I can talk about record labels all day because the only one people that really matter there are the, at the very, very top. Yeah. The and they don't care about what anyone's trash talking. The truth is, is they have all the lawyers in the world. They can get whatever they want done whenever they want. So it really just comes down to, can you fight them? And are you important enough for them to basically level out and give you what you want? Cause they will win every time. Yeah. Sounds like it. So, um, but it's the price of doing business. And I think that a lot of times artists kind of forget that. And songwriters forget that everyone, I know I certainly, and I know a, couple, a lot of people who have done this, I didn't really love high school. I didn't want to go to college or anything. I, I went to some college, but like, I didn't finish, but I wanted to do music. And it's not necessarily just because I was absolutely in love with music. I was, but I also just didn't want to suit up in a tie. Yeah. And you chose the one thing that you love doing. Yeah. I chose what I love. And I, and, and I thought that like, okay, I can just make this work. But at the end of the day, I started learning over my 10 years in music, how the business is run. And it's, it's business at the end of the day, just like opening up a subway, opening up a, a gym you need to make sure that there are things in order to keep the business afloat. Yeah. And maybe that doesn't align with what this person who's an artist does, does or doesn't want to do because of their ego. Yeah. And it's like artistic integrity or whatever. Yeah. And it's but, like, that's okay. As long as you're not food, like if you are putting food on 20 people's table, because they're all a part of your team, you kind of got to rise up and take care of your team. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, at the end of the day, you're right. It's not the entertainment art. It's the entertainment business. Yeah. And you got you to respect the business. be my guest. Anybody go ahead and just write a song and then just put it on SoundCloud yeah. for free. You've done that? Or, or sell it, you know, and see who comes. I've done it. And more times than not, nobody found it. Yeah. Because there was no business plan in place. There was no advertising. And other times I've done it with advertising. I've wasted my own money. It still didn't go anywhere. That made record labels look a lot more attractive now to me. I'm like, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. So when they say, yeah, I want you to do it our, our way or the highway, I'm like, I've been on the highway. I don't like it. Yeah. Wow. I want to be on a boat. That's a whole different perspective. It is. Because it's, it's, it makes you, when they say that, you're just like, well, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to play by your rules. But you've you've got no no clout yet. Like you can't. You can't. Yeah. It's, it's an unpopular opinion, what I'm saying. Yeah. But at this point in my career, too, I can't work with wish-washy kids who think they know everything either because that's not that's not gonna that's not gonna work in the real world so the artists that you're looking for they've got some money saved up and they've got to have some they some can money. pay for songwriting they can pay for producing they pay they have to pay to market it um they don't they don't pay me to market it but right, i, no, I but like they them gotta to have a plan they gotta have it yeah and they're they're not even all local right like they are they from all over yeah, um, I I had a, uh, an artist that I'm working with in Florida. Um, her name's Gabriana, and um, she's amazing. We fly her, or she she flies out. Um, I, I keep it very simple. I do the music and the music production. Um, I'm not signing anybody. I'm not putting out extra expenses or anything besides all my gear and my time. Right? Is, she, is she locked in with you or anything? No, like absolutely have... not. No, okay. I don't do anything like that. No, you, she can work with anyone You're else. Not her, she manager, wants to. Or her not her manager, her agent, nothing. Nope. Um, but she flies out and, uh, with her parents and they stay in, in a, at the Marriott or the Hilton or something. And they end up doing five or six sessions in a row. We write a bunch of songs, we record them. And then she goes home for a couple months. I mix them. I keep working on production and ideas. And then, you know, we definitely get two or three finished full great songs out of the, that four or five day period. Wow, how cool! Yeah. And then probably like six or seven more demos. Are her parents there the whole time in the studio? Yeah, because she 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 is younger. She's uh, I believe sixteen right now. So are, are they active in that whole process, or do they just want to sit there and watch? Um, yeah, no, they're actually pretty active. Um, in in a, in really great ways because I've definitely there's other people I've worked with where parents get overactive and it's a nightmare. Um, she has very smart parents and very creative parents and the mom um will come up with some some lyric ideas um dad and i talk about marketing ideas and strategies um so yeah that's that's one artist in florida that flies out to work with me and um i have artists in la that just come and work with me basically once every week once every other week and we take that approach um another artist vince um came from new york he was planning to move to la and i was kind of like that tipping point for him to come work with me so he ended up um leaving new york coming out here getting a nice place and working with me and we did a project and we're still wrapping up i think one more release with that one um yeah so they kind of come from everywhere yeah how many artists are are you working with at any given time or how many like it throughout a year I mean, so this isn't also, it depends, like for the, the kind of agreement EPs that I'm doing, I'm doing about five a year, um, and we're doing about five songs on average each. So that's 25 songs a year that mm-hmm. need to be perfect yeah. and released. So that um, that is how that works. But at the same time, I'm still with Universal, and I still do sessions for Warner Brothers, for Atlantic, and when A&Rs and call me or artists call me and say, hey, we really want a, another song from you. Um, can you submit something to us? What do you got in your catalog? Could we set up a, a writing session with one of our new artists, et cetera? And if they're, you know, if they're already signed to the main main plug, you know, sometimes it's spec work and I'll do it. And then sometimes, you know, more more preferably, they actually have a budget and we actually continue to work. But adding that to the pie I'm probably doing another 25 songs. Whoa. So about 50 songs a year. You're doing like a song a that week on finished. Average. Oh, no, no. Yeah. I wouldn't. I would say a song a week that's finished, but pretty much every day I'm, you know what? I'm composing at least two ideas a day. Okay. And it's not all of them get recorded. Not all of them get but, recorded. Wow. That's... But a lot of what I'm doing is kind of recorded, though, because like 
even if you program a drum beat and a, a bunch of guitars and yeah. something, it's it's already recorded. So you might, I save everything. You'll, you'll use it on something else. Maybe, yeah. How, how many songs have you recorded that you you know you finished when someone says, "Hey, what do you have in your catalog?" How many songs are in your catalog? Um, I have about on my SoundCloud private list, I think three thousand, four thousand of your songs. Um, of my songs different those probably include different mix versions okay so let's be realistic about it i'd say probably a thousand yeah that's huge that's a big catalog yeah that's over that's over like five years wow yeah you could totally get that place in all kinds of uh i'd love to see that stuff in like commercials movies whatever uh yeah that's i mean and that's what it takes that's the the volume to get these netflix placements or to get an artist um or a radio spot um ryan tedder was saying at a convention once when i was young he was like yeah you got to write two to three hundred songs before one somebody picks up one yeah well you've heard the the uh, ten thousand hours yeah you know uh, if you've got like thousands of finished recordings you've easily spent that much time oh definitely and and the again when you ask about the gear earlier so many people are able to record their own songs now and sometimes if, if, if you really have the tenacity to go learn Pro Tools or learn Ableton and record yourself, you don't need me. You really don't. That's fine. You, and you learn how to do some drums. Figure it all out on your, on your own. Um, and a lot of people do that. So it's even harder now to get songs placed because a lot of people are both the artist and the producer. Um, the only difference is, is sometimes, like I said, like, it takes longer to master yeah. every little part of it. But you could probably make it sound better if somebody was just working at home and then they send you their their tracks. You could probably mix it and put a whole different spin on it. Probably, yeah. But I, I will admit there are some people out there that like a good song is a good song. Mm -hmm. And if they can record it and just their vocal and they can play piano or guitar and record it, that's fine if you like that's that's what i'm really talking about like when i when i when i reach out to people on instagram like i'm only trying to sell my service if it can help right okay so there's some people that are like no thanks i recorded myself absolutely and sometimes i disagree and i'm and you know and I, I don't tell them necessarily but in my head i'm like well that sucks because you're you really could be good you know but you just you you want to keep doing it that way and then sometimes it's like, okay, well, cool. Definitely keep it up, and I'm going to be a fan, and let me know when you have more stuff coming out because I really like it. Yeah. So it's it's just it's just like I said, I put out a lot of feelers. I see the conversation, and a lot of times the conversation leads to whether or not I want to work with them too. There's been sometimes I'll have a conversation with somebody. And I'm like, I I just we don't we don't get along. We can't get on the same page about even a conversation, or maybe they're they're really annoying. Maybe I'm really annoying to them and you can, and I can, I can tell it's like, if we can't even have a conversation, we can't write a song. Yeah. That's impossible. So, um, but then sometimes I get on, get on a zoom with somebody or meet somebody for coffee and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. We got to find something to do. And then we figure it out. Wow. That's neat. So many interesting ways to collaborate. And it's so cool that you're, you're doing that. And I didn't realize you had such a big catalog of stuff. On your SoundCloud, is it listenable? Like, can we find it? So all those songs that I was referring to are private. Those are all private. They're all private. Um, and you know, it ranges between finished and unfinished. Uh -huh. Um, and they're currently being pitched. Some of them are being slept on. Um, and some of them I'm still building. There's some songs that take a week to do. Some songs that I can really get nailed in about two days, and then other ones that I've been working on for six months, and some songs I've been working on for three, four years. I still have wow, sessions from three or four years ago that I'll open up and be like, this song's amazing. We just got to figure out the right arrangement. Like it, maybe it, it doesn't, we spend a year trying to make it a rock song. And then a year later I listen back and I'm like, this is not a rock song. This should be a ballad. Take everything out. Let's re-record it with oh a new gosh. artist. Start over. That's, start that's a whole different song then. I mean, it's the same lyrics, I guess. If it's the same lyrics, it's the same song. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's crazy. How, how can we, Listen to your stuff. Where's the best way to find it? So um, I like Spotify. Mm -hmm. um, that's the easiest for me, but it's on everything. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple, SoundCloud. Um, I do have my own catalog as Teddy Marquis, mm -hmm. where every now and then if I really like the song, we'll put it out as a collaboration. Um, and then I also have um, all the other artist songs out there, but you'd have to kind of find them through finding them. Yeah, okay. Right? So can we... Um 
can we just go to like YouTube or Spotify or Instagram and just type uh, Teddy Marquis? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Teddy Marquis on all the handles. And um, on Instagram, you probably be able to find a little bit more of the other artists that I'm working with and, and route yourself to them okay. that way. Yeah, that's a cool way to do it. Yeah, or I do more podcasts and I just drop their names a little bit more or get them on podcasts. Yeah, that's, you got to get them on there. I got to I got to keep promoting them at the end of the day too. Yeah, and that's that's kind of like a an additive feature to producing them. That's one of the best things about collaborating in any art form is that uh, you more know, exposure. That when you're done, you're both out there promoting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right on. Well, Teddy Marquis, thank you for coming in and, and talking to me. This was not a planned podcast, by the way. He, <laughs> he just came to hang out, and we're like, we're, we're, we're enjoying Let's this conversation. It. Let's uh, why don't we why don't Record we get it. this uh, put it on uh, get it on the recording. So yeah, thank you so much for for the conversation. I learned a lot. It was really exciting. And thank you guys all for listening. This is the Exploring Podcast. I'm Corin Young here at RK Studios. If you like this podcast or got any value from it, please share it with a friend that you think could uh, gain some knowledge from it. Give it a five-star review, and uh, this podcast is available on all of the podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.